Hey friends, welcome back to the Preacher Chick Podcast. This week's episode is a sermon that I preached a few weeks ago from Mark chapter 9 about greatness and our obedience and even our motives in our obedience. I hope that this episode challenges you in your perspective of what it means to follow the Lord, but also encourages you to dig in deeper, to truly walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I hope you enjoy. Any of you have moments where the Lord really speaks to you um, like, hang on, I'm having issues here. There we go. Um, I don't know. Okay, let me just, let me be real. So I find that I am completely undistracted when um, I'm, I'm like in the shower and the Lord usually drops like truth bombs in me in those <laughs> moments. I got nowhere to go, right? So he's just got my full attention. And this morning um, I was praying and I just kept, it's not about a breakthrough. And, and I was like, okay, God, explain to me what that means. Um, because we've already had a breakthrough. And so even before service, Jade and I were talking about this. What is the difference between breaking through and crossing over? Because I really do believe, and I've said it for a few weeks now, that I feel like our toes are on the threshold, right? Our toes are on the threshold of what's coming. And that's not to say that, that maybe there's not individual breakthroughs that need to happen or anything like that. But I'm like, God, what is the difference between the breakthrough and the crossing over? Because like when I think of a breakthrough, I think of like when I'm in the, like if you've been to the ocean or even a river or a lake where there's like a wake and you break through the wave, right? But the waves keep coming, right? So there's going to always be something to break through. And so this was, I mean, this was, I'm like, just what is the difference between breakthrough and crossover? And this is what I really believe the Lord spoke to me. Remember the time when you said you would never be a lead pastor? And the breakthrough came in that season where God took me on a journey where I finally was able and willing to say, okay, God, whatever you want me to do. If you want me to be a lead, I'll be a lead. If you want me to keep doing youth ministry, I'll I'll do youth ministry till the day I die. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. That was my breakthrough. My crossing over took almost two years. Now, I don't want our crossing over to take that long. It's been up to the Lord, but I, I believe we're in the process where we've broken through and we're journeying to our crossing over. You know, you think about even the Egyptian or the Israelites when they left Egypt, the breakthrough was Moses leading them out, but they had to cross over the Jordan. Friends, we've broken through and he's leading us. And I guess this is not in my notes and some of you will understand (laughs) what I'm talking about here, but let's not be like the Israelites where where we don't pay attention to what God is doing. Our promised land is not that far away. Let's not take 40 years to get to it. Let's not be arrogant. Let's not be grumblers. Let's not look back so that we continue to just wander in circles. Let's, let's go for our crossover. Let's keep going. Let's keep moving forward. And that has nothing to do with my message, but I really feel like that's a word from the Lord this morning. So somebody, we all needed to hear that, I guess. Yeah. 
Okay, hang on, because we're streaming and nobody can hear you. So, Travis, can you take, or Dad, can you take a microphone to her? We want to be obedient. I just feel like that talking about breakthroughs, we've had a big breakthrough with Lynette, my uh, niece. All of you remember a few months ago that uh, they said she, they thought she had cancer at the base of her spine. And it was so entwined in the spot that it was in that it was impossible to operate on her without maybe paralyzing her. And it was just too big of a chance to take. And uh, the church prayed, and I prayed for her. One day, she called me on the phone, and uh, she you know, I said, Lynette, do you want me to pray for you right now? Which we do every once in a while. You know, I don't see her that often, but we pray over the phone. And we prayed about that cancer or whatever it was. And we said, Lord, we bind this thing in the name of Jesus. And we come against it, and we command it to die and to go away. And she went to the doctor and got an MRI just this week. And when he talked to her, he told her, I don't know where it went, but I can. There's just a tiny little seed there, you know, a little spot that's just barely. You can't even, she couldn't even see it, she said that he was talking about. But it's gone. And I praise the Lord for that breakthrough. And I thank him so much. Amen. He's done. He's good. He's so good. He's so faithful. Amen. Right? God is so good. What I find interesting is uh, along the journey, um, how God just if, you just, if you just walk, if you just walk towards him, he really does work all things out, you know? And he connects dots that you don't even understand. Like, I know this is going to seem silly to some, but, you know, we've been in a sermon series and I took a break from the sermon series a couple weeks ago because I felt the Holy Spirit drop a message on my heart about faithful obedience. And then we had our guest, we had Pastor Alex last week. And then I sat down uh, to finish up the sermon for this week and I just realized that it, it just carries on with where we've been the last two weeks. Do you know what I mean? And I know that some are going, well, okay, big deal. But it is a big deal because I didn't look ahead at all of those things. I just followed where I, where I felt the Lord leading us and, um, and talking about the, the need for us to be faithfully obedient to whatever God is asking us to do and to follow his plans and his purposes for our lives and for our church because he expects us to follow him completely. He expects us to hold nothing back. He wants everything that we have. He wants all that we are. He wants us to truly be his disciples. He wants us to grow in our understanding and our knowledge of him. And for that understanding to, to then be exhibited in our, in our lives every day. We don't do those things. We don't do the obedient things. We don't do those things for, uh, to be seen, though, right? I mean, we're not supposed to. <laughs> We don't do them to be seen. We don't do them for human accolades, the pats on the backs, the way to goes. Those are nice sometimes, but that's not why we do them. We don't obey God so that we have a higher station in heaven than someone else. We don't do them because, you know, well, if I obey, I get blessed. That's not what it's about. And I, and I feel like that seems obvious, doesn't it? Like we say that and we're all like, well, of course. But even 
the 12 who followed Jesus closest, his, his 12 disciples who were with him during his earthly ministry, friends, they missed it. And these were men and women that walked right next to him down the road, that slept in tents next to him in the wilderness, and they missed it. And if we're not careful, how much easier is it for us today to miss what he's calling and what he's asking us to do? And so I want to start this morning, and I want to look in Mark chapter 9 and begin in verse 33 um, it says, they came to Capernaum, and when, he was, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, because on the way, they had been arguing with one another about who was the greatest. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of perspective, and let's like kind of step a little bit backwards. If you back up into chapter 8 and just the previous verses of chapter 9, you'll find uh, that the verses leading to this point describe two times that Jesus told the disciples about his death and his resurrection. Um, you'll read in these passages the call to, to take up your cross and follow him. We, we read about the transfiguration, the, the time when Jesus took the two disciples up on the mountain and, and they saw him transfigured. He became brighter and then um, Elijah and Moses came and met with them. We also read about miracles. Now, both times that Jesus shares about his death and his resurrection with the disciples, they didn't understand and if you read it, it's clear they didn't understand and they didn't ask questions. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, what drives me crazier than anything is finding out my kids are struggling in school because they won't ask the teacher for help. Or, or, uh, okay, let me just be honest. Sometimes I do the same thing, you know? He's right there. You don't understand? Ask him. He's right here. And when we don't understand, we can ask him. They didn't even try to understand. But then on the heels of all of this amazingness, all of these things that they see and encounter with Jesus, all they can do is argue. All they can do is point fingers I'm better than you. I'm going to be greater than you in heaven. We're the best. No, I'm the best. This was the conversation of adults following Jesus. I looked up the definition of great. We should all know that, right? But I wanted to know exactly what Merriam-Webster said. And the definition of great is quite expansive, I mean, like, there's a lot of definitions <laughs> to the word great. But part of the definition is remarkable in magnitude. This is what the disciples were discussing. Who was the most remarkable? Who had the greatest magnitude? Which of them was the most effective? And they knew it was wrong. And how do we know they know it was wrong? Because when Jesus called them out on it, they all looked to the floor and wouldn't answer him like little children caught with their hand, their hand in the cookie jar. They knew what they were arguing about was inappropriate. And so when Jesus questioned them about it, they became silent. And I just can't help but think if we're not careful, 
our human nature, our selfish nature will take over our way of thinking and we're going to become motivated by the wrong things and even our good deeds will be a waste. Jesus did so many miracles and, and so often he told the recipients, do you know this? What did he tell them? Tell no one. Just go home. Don't say anything. Don't tell anybody. He sought no credit. I mean, we're talking about, what did Isaiah say? The Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father came and did these miracles and wanted no attention for them. He's the Son of the Living God. And he did not care at all about getting a pat on the back for doing what he came to do. He simply came to serve. And it was only at the right time that he allowed himself, his name, his presence to be highlighted and seen. Now listen, I've kind of spent the last couple minutes just focused on the topic of the argument, not the fact that they were arguing. So human nature, let's all know, we all know it's messed up, right? And y'all, we're fighting and arguing over some of the most ridiculous stuff right now, and we do it in the worst ways. We do it on social media. We're arguing about stuff that in the grand scheme of eternity has no bearing on salvation. We're making mountains out of molehills when Jesus has called us to serve and love. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, in his letter, he calls this out. And in chapter 4, he says, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? I'm going to read that again. Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask, and you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. How we treat one another, the words we use, the battles we pick and we fight, and, and even sometimes the seemingly lack of response from heaven Y'all, it has more to do with what's happening inside of us than who we're arguing with. God have mercy on us. No wonder we're all so tired. We're running a race and fighting battles we weren't called to be a part of. So Jesus, going back to him asking the disciples what they're arguing about and getting no answer, I, this is where I like to call him sneaky Jesus. He's a little bit cheeky, and he kind of sneaks in, and he teaches a lesson. And what does he do? He grabs a child, and he pulls a child in, and he uses this child to teach a lesson on what it means to truly be great. Going back to Mark chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Sitting down, he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all. He took a child, had him stand among them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one little child such as this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me doesn't welcome me, but him who sent me. I think we all know that it's widely accepted that 
women, those who were disabled and children were far undervalued during the time of Jesus's earthly life and ministry. Uh, we see this exhibited often in particular when the children came to Jesus and the disciples told him to tell them to go away. While it was important for boys to learn from a rabbi or to learn a trade, and maybe some girls had family members who thought it was important for them to know how to read and learn more than just basic household chores, the general view was that children were necessary for carrying on bloodlines and not much more than that until adulthood. Time and time again, we see Jesus live out the opposite of this by his loving care and his kindness and his special attention to the children. So knowing that the disciples had been arguing about their own greatness, he brings a little one that nobody's really paying any attention to. And he brings him into the center of attention and he embraces him. Like I feel like, I feel like everybody was probably in a circle or a semicircle and Jesus just walks over and grabs this kid and puts him right in the middle and then squats down and brings him close. Like, that's how I see it in my head. And he says, whoever welcomes one child like this welcomes me. And even better than that, they welcome the one who sent me. There's a research scholar at Yale University who writes, the little child in this scene is Jesus' representative and therefore to be received. Nevertheless, the child is not sent to speak in the name of Jesus as the disciples are sent into the towns and villages to preach in his name and to be received by the people there. The child represents Jesus in another manner. The child is to be taken into the arms and welcomed for the child is weak and needy. The child thus represents Jesus as a humble, suffering figure. Welcoming the child signifies receiving Jesus and affirming his divinely given mission as the suffering son of man. Greatness is not about who you can step on as you climb up the ladder. Greatness is about who you are serving in kindness and especially those who cannot repay your kindness. Jesus will ultimately, we know this, become one of the weakest Possible in order to save those who consider themselves strong. Because status doesn't matter to him. Even though he has the highest status, we sang about it this morning, he stepped down into darkness. He became poor. He didn't care about his status. He knew his role as the Son of Man, the Son of God, and he came to serve. His work is much more important than any status, and though, through his death on the cross, he identifies with the lowest of us so that all of us, every man, every woman, every child, regardless of ability, regardless of income, regardless of race or nationality, may be saved. Now, I grew up watching a man on TV who I think showed the heart of God toward children. I shared that I was going to use this example with my friend, and she just laughed. And I was like, now, come on. I really believe this. I read an article from PBS that said that Fred Rogers emphasized the importance of imagination and creativity while urging children to love themselves and to love their neighbors. 
Did you know that he was an ordained minister? I figure probably everybody knew that. Do you think it was by accident that his focus was to teach children to love themselves and love others? I don't. He said, I went into television because I hated it so. And I thought there was some way of using this fabulous instrument to be of nurture to those who would watch and listen. Fred Rogers taught what Jesus taught as the great commandment. Jesus taught the great commandment over and over and over again to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and with all our might, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. To love our neighbor how? As ourselves. That means we have to know who we are in the sight of God, that we are his children, we are dearly loved. I can love me because Jesus loves me. And because Jesus loves me, I can love anyone I come in contact with, even people I don't agree with. Even people who are on the opposite uh, side politically as me, even people who, who choose to live differently than me, even people who speak differently than me, look differently than me, I can still love them because I love me because Jesus loves me. And in the next chapter of Mark, we even see more people bringing more children to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Let the little children come. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And after taking them in his arms, there he did it again. He pulls the weakest, the undervalued, the ones nobody really pays extra attention to. He pulls them in and he hugs them. He embraces them. He laid his hands on them and he blessed them. I'm sure that we've all heard the idiom that says knowledge is knowing tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. Friends, we know the words of Jesus. We know that he says to come as children, to let the children come. We know that he said in order to be the greatest, we have to become the least. And to be the most effective, we have to serve and not wait to be served. But our world, our culture, that fights against that in every single way. Now, James calls calls wisdom a little different. He says it's not attained through the typical learning processes. It's, it's not an advanced education. It's not about how many degrees you have. It's not about where you went to school. It's not about the eloquent words you speak. A wise person shows their wisdom through the works that are done and gentleness that comes from wisdom. When I read that, it made me think of what Jim Elliott, the missionary to Ecuador, said. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Wisdom is laying ourselves aside. Wisdom is saying, it's not about me, and I'm going to leave it all on the altar. Wisdom is loving when it doesn't make sense. Wisdom is admitting that life isn't about me. Wisdom 
is giving everything I have to make Jesus known. You want to be great? You want to be wise? Then serve. Serve. It's not an accident that Jesus used a child to make his point. You know, typically kids can offer nothing in return. They don't have jobs. They don't have income. They're learning. They don't have much. So to serve a child is a truly selfless act. So Jesus says that doing so, that serving those who can't repay, is the same as serving him. Jesus truly desires to use us as his messengers, as his ambassadors of hope to those who are in the most desperate need of it. He wants to reunite families and restore relationships, and he wants to heal wounds and hurts as well as illness and disease. What is so unreal and amazing is that he wants to use us to make it happen. So friends, I'm calling us all to recommit ourselves to him today. And I encourage you as you go about your day and this week to think about what that means and that you would spend time talking to him all about it. As always, it means the world to me that you listen. And I hope that you would take the time to rate or review this podcast. Be sure you're subscribed to it. And even more so, the greatest compliment is that you share it with friends. Until next time.